and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Move Related Show on the planet Earth, the John Campia Show, coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, and all sorts of good things. And ladies and gentlemen, he is uh, the director of the William Shatner film <laughs> of, of, of how, what's the best way to put that? Of uh, a William Shatner film? No, no, we'll call it the William Shatner the film. The William Shatner film. The definitive <laughs> William Shatner film, Free Enterprise. He's the producer of Agent Cody Banks, and he's got a new film in theaters right now called Tango Shalom. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how are you doing today, sir? John, it's appropriate you brought up Free Enterprise because today, well, unless you come from Canada, which in which case it was yesterday. Today is the uh, 55th birthday of Star Trek's debut on television on NBC, September 8th, 1966, 55 years ago. And of course, Paramount and CBS are throwing Star Trek Day, a big event, which is going to be on, I think, tonight at like five on streaming on the Internet. So it is Star Trek's 55th anniversary today. Happy birthday to Star Trek, uh, one of the big, of course, geek culture properties there is in the world. And uh, it's just I still have to remind myself once in a while that you got to write and direct a movie starring William Shatner. Like, that's just like one of the coolest things in the world. A good Canadian kid, along with Eric McCormack, who's another good Canadian kid. I remember to once you and Scott Mance were talking. The three of us were in the same room and you guys were getting into a physical, uh, not physical, a, a, a funny, friendly barb thing about like, who knows William Shatner best? And and like, Scott's like, I interviewed Will Shatner twice at the big Star Trek. Blah, and you're like, I directed William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, boom, mic drop. There it was. End of the day. It was all good. Anyway, guys. We hope you are all at home having a fabulous, fabulous day. It's good to have you here. Here's how today's show is going to go. We break it up into two parts. In the first half of the show, we take some predetermined topics. And in the second half of the show, we take your live comments and questions. If you'd like to get a live comment or question on the show or an upcoming companion video, simply go click on the tip link that's down in the description below, or you can enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip you'll be getting your comment or question on the show of course if it's appropriate for the show and of course you'll be supporting the channel at the same time and all of us involved here at the john campus show thank you guys so much for that support including uh super chat badges that just got sent in from kevin cow and uh ishmelvin vargas who both sent in super chat badges in the live chat thank you guys appreciate that very much and hey a little bit of housekeeping just want to remind you guys then in case you can't be in front of a YouTube video to get your daily fix of the John Campy Show, the good news is there's an audio-only version, the John Campy Show podcast, the audio version of this show, which you can find on your favorite podcasting app of choice, wherever you listen to podcasts, just search for the John Campy Show and go and subscribe to it today. And uh, thank you to everybody who's already subscribed to those things. All right, we're going to start things off here, guys, with a couple of off-the-tops. And the first one we're going to do is this uh, Rob, obviously it's been like a 24 seven Shang Chi around here for the last yeah. couple of weeks. And of course, culminating with the uh, way it just it destroyed the box office expectations uh, over the weekend. It's already at, by at the end of today, they're saying it's already made back its production budget, which in a time of a pandemic spike is incredible. Uh, but add another little feather in its cap as it's now going around that Shang Chi now, you guys will remember that Rotten Tomatoes 
a year or so ago, they changed, well, more than, almost two years ago now, they changed their uh, setup of how they rate audience ratings. Because it used to be, like on IMDb, people could just go and review bomb positively or negatively without ever having seen the film. But now, uh, as of a couple of years ago, Rotten Tomatoes built in a system where the only verified people who actually bought tickets to the movies can go and register an audience rating. Well, uh, right now, with over 5,000 audience ratings in, Shang-Chi has become the highest audience rated comic book movie of all time. I think it's uh, it's right now sitting at 98%, uh, few percentage points over Spider-Man Far From Home and a few other movies like that. Uh, I, now, listen, that's not saying, that is not saying that Shang-Chi is the greatest comic book film of all time. That's that's not what this is saying. But what it is saying is that this movie had broader appeal that had more people at least walk into the theater and go, I liked that. I liked that. And to have a 98% is, is kind of ridiculous and amazing all at the same time. And uh, Rob, I got to be honest with you, I'm not surprised at all. I'm not surprised at all because one of the things when I started talking about Shang-Chi, Rob, on this show, I said, listen, obviously, you know, I think it's the best comic book movie since Logan and things like that. But I don't expect all of you are going to like it as much as me. But what I do expect is that you're going to like it. At the very minimum, I think you're going to like it because there's just a little something in there for everybody. So again, this is not claiming that Shang-Chi is the greatest comic book film of all time. It's not. I mean, you might think it is. All film is subjective. If you do, that's great. But uh, I think it is still a nice, remarkable little feather in the cap of Shang-Chi. Yet another one for it to add to the accolades it's getting. I know, Rob, you see, does this surprise you at all when, when you see this? No, because, I mean... The movie, like we've been saying, I was wildly entertained by this. It's uh, by Shang-Chi. It surprised me that the trailers didn't tell me that it was uh, a wuxia film like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I think, you know, from the very beginning, I was I was enchanted by this movie. And I think, you know, it's why you go to the movies. And I think a lot of people felt the same way. I think they were might have been expecting something a little bit more conventional. And they were treated to a film that touches on many different genres. It, it's it's got a, it's a it's a buddy friend movie that turns into a fantasy film that turns into a martial arts movie that turns into a superhero movie, and it's just a delightful confection. And I, it's why we all go to the movies, man. And I think that uh, it deserves all of its accolades. Uh, I agree. I mean, obviously, I agree. We've talked about uh, nausea. But anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about that little fact that came out? Uh, I, I Again, I'm not actually surprised. I just think there's a little something in this for everybody to have a good time watching it. How do you guys feel about it? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do another off the top. And we'll stick in the realm of comic book movies for this. Of course, Rob. Now that Shang-Chi is down, we've got a couple of more big comic book films coming out this year. One being Eternals, which I'm very excited about. Of course, the reigning defending director of the year, Chloe Zhao, is uh, directing that one. But the other one that everybody's very excited about, including me, is Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, one of the big discussions surrounding Spider-Man No Way Home has been the whole thing, pretty much the topic of discussion 
which is unfortunate because nobody's talking about is the movie going to be good? How much are we looking forward to Tom? You know, uh, seeing how Tom has developed as an actor and really taking on this role now and in his next outing as it, you know, where's the relationship of the MJ character and Spider-Man going, uh, what, you know, how are we, are we going to see more of his classmates in there again? No, no, no. The only topic of conversation surrounding Spider-Man No Way Home is, are Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire going to be in it? That's all anybody's talking about. That seems to be all anything anybody cares about, but that's what everybody's talking about. Now, I have my belief on this. I believe that they are going to be in it. I believe they're going to be in it. But there has been no actual real proof or evidence that they are. There were a couple of, there was a, like a little picture and a video clip floating around, but that got debunked this morning. So that, that's out the window too. Now, just because there's no proof that they are going to be in it and no real evidence saying that they will be in it, I still believe they will be, but we'll find out. If they are, they are. If they're not, they're not. It's whatever. All I care about is, is the movie good? Well, Andrew Garfield, um, he, of course, in the past has denied that he's in this movie. Well, he's denying it again. He was being interviewed by Variety, promoting another uh, project and another subject. And he once again basically said, look, I'm not involved, but it doesn't matter what I say to people because you're not going to listen to me anyway, so I'm just not going to say anything. But anyway, this is what Andrew Garfield said. He said, I understand why people are freaking out about the concept that because I'm a fan as well. Uh, You can't help but imagine scenes and moments of, oh my God, how fucking cool would that be what they just did? But... It's important for me to say on the record that this is not something I'm aware that I'm involved in, but I know I'm not going to be able to say anything that will convince anyone. So I don't know what's happening. No matter what I say, I'm fucked. It's either going to be really disappointing for people or it's going to be really exciting. So that comes to us from Andrew Garfield talking about this. And and by the way, I just throw in here, uh, Alana Gibbs, Anton Riley, Evelyn, uh, and, um, uh, Evelyn and uh, Ms. Marvel all send in super chat badges in the live chat. Thank you guys. Appreciate that very much. So Andrew Garfield is once again, doubling down Rob on what he said before, where he said, look, unless they're doing some kind of CGI thing of me, I'm not involved. So I, I don't know, maybe that's it, but I'm not involved. He's doubling down again. Look, as far as I know, I'm not involved in this film at all, but no matter what I tell you guys, you're not going to listen to me. You're just going to believe whatever you want to believe. And He's right. People are going to believe just what they want to believe. Because, look, if Andrew Garfield is in this, what's he supposed to do? What's he going to say? Yes, I'm in it. <laughs> he, he, he can't do that. Now, at the same time, he could just simply do the traditional, I can't comment on that. Like, no comment. You know, it's just simple, leave it as that. But he's been pretty actively denying it. I still believe he's going to be in it. But anyway, Rob... You hear Andrew Garfield's comments right now. What do you think of his comments? And then after hearing them, where are you on the whole? Is he in the movie? Is he not? What do you think? I think he's in the movie. Yeah. I think they're both in the movie. I, I Look, they have to play coy. You know, they have to do this. This is part of the fun. It's part of the fun. I mean, we'll see. Maybe we're wrong. Hey man, Mephisto's in the movie, right? <laughs> no, I think that um, I, I think that uh, <laughs> you don't bring back Electro and you don't bring back Alfred Molina because why would you do that if you didn't have the Spider-Men that fought them? 
You totally could. I mean, I guess so. Because now, because this is, I mean, <coughs> I'm playing a devil's advocate because you know why I agree with you. I, I think they're going to be in the movie. But playing devil's advocate, this is Tom's movie now. This is Tom's franchise. So if you could achieve the whole thing of bringing characters from other movies, but still, but not the other Spider-Man, just so you get the best of both worlds, I suppose there's an argument to be made for that. I don't know. What do you think? Okay, I would say this. Obviously, there's some kind of rip in the fabric of space-time or something that has caused Alfred Molina's Doc Ock to show up. I would think that if you're going to tell that particular story and Doc Ock shows up and our Peter Parker doesn't know who he is, why would you not have... Toby Maguire's Spider-Man show up to sort of give him a little background because otherwise if he never knows who he is, he's like, well, this guy's just yet another uh, douchebag. Oh, with, but there's uh, a thousand, there's a thousand narrative hooks you could put in there. That would, that would, could yeah, lead Tom to re- figuring out how, to, how really. it Sure. It could I mean, come look, from, it could come from Doc Ock himself. Again, I'm saying this is somebody who agrees with you. I agree with you. So I'm just playing double. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that I think that they are, uh, look, the audience that is speculating that there is a multiverse it was it was marvel who's given us loki who's given us what if we already had into the spider-verse and we have doctor strange uh in the multiverse of madness i think there's an expectation that marvel has set up through their previous works and upcoming works that lead us to believe certain things and I don't think Marvel's in the business of just letting us down in this case. I mean, they set up this expectation. They did not oh, set I up this expectation. They, they did not set up this expectation. They, fans oh, created this out absolutely of They absolutely did not. Nope. No, they told us Jamie Foxx was going to be there. They told us Alfred Molina was going to be there. But they've never once remotely suggested, although you and I believe they will be. Dude, but, but they have. Never, they're making... They're, they never they're have, what what have they ever said that that would lead us to believe that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are going to be there? Okay, hang on a second. You have to infer meaning here. There are Loki variants that were in Loki, many different Lokis. We've seen that. Now we have we have the multiverse of madness coming from Doctor Strange. We have a what if show that's airing right now. Now you have Alfred Molina and you have Electro coming back. I mean, I think that Marvel's own works have you are supposed to infer meaning from this. Now, you could be right. I could be completely wrong. But I'm like, look, the fact that they're keeping this a secret, it's their biggest reveal ever. I'd keep it a secret as much as I could, too. See, I, I, I agree. I totally agree. See, but with the whole infer thing, well, then that's on you. If you decide to interpret a set of circumstances, because all that Marvel stuff has done has created a situation where that could happen. It, it doesn't, to me, it's not in any way a situation that, that it creates saying, this is what will probably happen. See, I that's mean, on the individual. If you, if you think that, that's on you. Because that ain't on Marvel, because they never said anything of the sorts, except to set up a world and a universe where that's something that could happen. But Blade could also come in. Are people going to be disappointed if Blade doesn't show up in this movie? Yeah, you know what but I mean? they haven't. They, but there's nothing that's been going on in the Marvel Universe that would suggest that somebody from randomly from left field would show up, because we know they haven't made a Blade movie. And what? But I mean, we I, know Blade's coming. 
We know yeah, Blake's coming. Again, you could infer it. You could no, infer it. No, because we've already dealt with the multiverse. They have two shows that have run on Disney Plus that are directly dealing with the multiverse. I, again, I agree. But all that tells us is that this other Spider-Man showing up is something that theoretically could happen. It, it doesn't suggest that it will. And so, again, and again, I believe they are. I, I'm totally on that side with you. I believe they are. I'm just saying, if if people get up, if, if they're not in it, and people get upset they're not in it, I'm sorry, that's, that's on you. That's your responsibility. That ain't on Marvel. That ain't on Disney. That ain't on anybody else but yourself. I think they're going to be in there, too. But if they're not in there, it'll be all right. Well, we'll just see how the movie turns out in of itself. But... I do think they're going to be in it. So I don't know. We'll see. You know what? I actually posed this as a question of the day today to our audience where I put it to our audience just before we started the show today. I put up a poll. We've got about 3000 responses on it already. And the poll question was simply this question of the day. Andrew Garfield is once again denying that he's in no way home. Do you believe him? And Rob, it seems like most people agree with us. No, I don't believe him. Has 78.3 of the votes. Yes, I believe him. Uh, and ends up having 21.7% of the votes. That's with about 3,000 votes tallied right now. I'll leave that uh, questionnaire up for the rest of the day. So if you guys want to go in there and register your vote on that, that's great. But anyway, question is for you. Andrew Garfield has once again denied that he's involved in this project. Do you believe him? Do you think that's actually true? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down into the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move into one more off the top. And that one more off the top is this. You know, Rob, uh, we've been talking for a while that... Netflix basically churns out absolute shit movies. They're, they're just terrible. They're awful. But, but uh, something that I've also been saying for a little while is once, maybe twice a year out of the 40 or 50 original films they put out every year, once or twice a year, they'll actually put out something, one film that they get to put on a pedestal and see Netflix can make net Netflix. There's, there's your new Saturday morning cereal, Netflix, Netflix. See, we at Netflix, we put out great Oscar caliber movies. They do that like once a year. And Rob, I think this one is the next one of those. And that's the new film. Don't look up with Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. And of course, a huge list of, of stars, a massive, massive list of stars uh, joining him in this. And the new trailer, we've been talking about this thing for a while. Uh, the new trailer just dropped. And I will say this. I think the trailer looks boring. I honestly think, I think the trailer was as pedestrian as pedestrian can be. I believe this movie, how often are you going to hear me say this about a Netflix film? I believe this movie is going to be awesome. You look at the director, you look at the talent involved. I believe this movie, I wholeheartedly believe this movie is going to be that one Netflix movie a year that they get to point to and say, see, we can make good movies while they shuffle out dozens of other pieces of garbage. But I believe this thing's going to be incredible. Probably even, and I'm this is way too early to say, but I'm just guessing, speculating off the top of my head, maybe even an Oscar contending movie, Rob. I really believe that. I've believed it since the day I heard about it, and I still believe it now. But even though I believe this movie is going to be awesome, whichever, you know, trailer company Netflix employed to make the trailer, I thought they did a pretty piss poor job. I, 
unless we recognize Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Aniston and Jonah Hill and Timothy Chalamet and everybody else who's involved with this thing, I would have thought this just looks like another piece of garbage. This movie is going to be great, Rob. I have no doubt it's going to be great. But I, I thought the trailer was... Honestly, I thought the trailer really let this movie down. I don't know, Rob. You had a chance to see the trailer for Don't Look Up. What did you think about it? Well, I, I think it was more of a teaser. I mean, they've let... I, look, knowing what this movie's about... I'm like, I want to see this movie. I mean, I, dude, I've watched the big short like 50 times and, uh, so well directed. Uh, uh, yeah. And, uh, I, I, they haven't shown us a lot of this movie. I mean, this was basically like one scene with Jonah Hill riffing and we got to see Leonardo DiCaprio hyperventilating in a bathroom. But with this cast, it does look, I think, amazing. So I can't wait to see it just because I know what it's about. <laughs> by, by the way, it looks way. amazing. By the way, get this. For those of you who aren't really familiar with the cast, Academy Award winner Leonardo DiCaprio, Academy Award winner Jennifer Lawrence, Academy Award nominee Timothy Chalamet, who's probably, I think, going to be the next Daniel Day-Lewis eventually, Academy Award nominee Jonah Hill, Academy Award winner Kate Blanchett, Gina Gershon. We haven't seen enough of Gina Gershon. Can I just say that? Uh, the street monster herself, the goat of all actresses of all time, Meryl Streep, Ron Perlman, uh, Michael Chiklis, Mark Rylance, T- Tyler Perry. I mean, this thing goes on and on and on and on. This is what, look, I feel very comfortable in saying this is one of the most stacked casts of all time. I'm not saying it's the most stacked cast of all time, but I'm saying it, it is up there in that conversation with one of the most stacked casts of all time. And on top of all that, you got Adam McKay directing, who did such a great job on The Big Short. He did such a great job on Vice. Uh, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of, uh, of uh, what's it, The Other Guys, but I know a lot of people are. He did one of my all-time favorite comedies in Step Brothers. I mean, you get this cast combined with this director and fireworks, Absolute fireworks. And they're kind of putting it in an Oscar season kind of release date where it's going to be released on December 24th. So, yeah, I I think this is going to be uh, quite a good film. I I think this is going to be that one straw out of the entire haystack of the Netflix bale of garbage that actually is worth giving a damn about. I think it's going to be great. But again, I just thought the trailer was kind of disappointing, but that's just me. Question is for you guys. Did you have a chance to see the don't look up trailer? If so, what did you think of it? Besides the trailer, where's your expectation levels for this movie? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Uh, by the way, I just want to give a shout out to RM uh, and uh, Lael Lockwell, uh, who both send in super chat badges in the live chat. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that very much. Lael's a good man. Uh, there you go. All right, guys. With all that down and out of the way, let's now move into our main topics today. And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campy Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you guys come across a big topic issue or story that you think we need to cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime 24-7 to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. That down? Let's get into main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Kyle Cruz, who writes, Hey, John, 
Longtime fan since the AMC days. Thank you so much, Kyle. I absolutely love Shang-Chi, and I'm incredibly excited to see it perform so well at the box office. My question is, how does Shang-Chi's success change the conversation around the Suicide Squad's box office disappointment? It seems like people are willing to go to theaters for the right movie, but this makes it seem like general audiences, unfortunately, just may not have been interested in seeing the Suicide Squad. Thanks, and have a great day. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, Kyle. And yeah, listen, as as happy as I am about the success of Shang-Chi is equally how disappointed I am in the box office struggles, let's say, of Suicide Squad. Because I'll tell you what, I think both of these movies are fantastic. Like you, you heard me gushing about Suicide Squad the moment I came out. I went back to the theater to see it a couple more times. I adore this movie. I think it's fun and entertaining while at the same time having some beautiful anchors and true human emotionality and things like that. Like it's a beautiful character movie all at the same time, all wrapped in the veneer of this bonkers R-rated blood fest, right? It's all of it. And I love this movie. I love James Gunn's Suicide Squad. I think it's fantastic. And the vast majority of people who came out of seeing Suicide Squad also thought it was pretty damn good. Like, th- this isn't one of those situations, Rob, where, you know, like, unfortunately, one of my all-time favorite movies, Man of Steel, it's not like Man of Steel where a bunch of people saw it, a bunch liked it, bunch didn't like it, some critics liked it, some critics didn't like it. You know, it's not one of those. The majority of the people, critics and audience who went to see Suicide Squad really enjoyed it. And I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. So why, with a movie as fantastic as uh, Suicide Squad and a movie that's as great as Shang-Chi, why have their box office results come in and been so radically different? With the Suicide Squad's opening weekend of $26.2 million, whereas on the other hand, Shang-Chi made $75.5 million. I think Shang-Chi totally deserved this box office, but I also believe Suicide Squad deserved Shang-Chi's box office as well. I don't think it deserved the, the, the low 26.2. They're both comic book movies. You know, they're releasing kind of at roughly the same time, although to be fair, when Suicide Squad came out, there was it was still during that little bit of a, a lull in the pandemic where everything was going in the right direction, whereas Suicide Squad came out in a big spike. So... That's there. So if we're going to talk about, you know, why did Suicide Squad not enjoy the same success, even though I would argue it is maybe if not as good as as Shang-Chi, it's it's on the same level. Personally, to me, all films subjective, you may feel differently and that's fine. But I really like this movie. All right. Well, there's three main things I think we need to look at when we're going to talk about why did uh, Shang-Chi enjoy a certain level of success that Suicide Squad didn't. Why didn't Suicide Squad have that same level of success? We're going to start with one thing. R-rated. Um, Suicide Squad is an R-rated film. Now, in as much as you can say R-rated films can be big box office successes, yes, but it's also a truism that it doesn't help. It doesn't help. You instantly limit certain audiences there. Listen, maybe not you or your parents, but there are certainly parents out there who, once they see an R rated label on a movie, they're not letting their kids go see it. 
understand. So that kind of hurts it a little bit right there. Whereas Shang-Chi did not have, so, you know, R-rated, but, you know, uh, Shang-Chi uh, not R-rated. So there's that. The second thing, which I think is a, is a huge factor, is the HBO Max uh, backstab. You know, Warner Brothers double-crossed and betrayed James Gunn and the people who made Suicide Squad by putting it out on HBO Max day and date. You can't ignore that. That is a huge elephant in the room. Whereas Shang-Chi, you know, got uh, uh, theaters only. Shang-Chi got a theaters only release. And so if we're going to go over and take a look at, you know, 26.2 million versus 75.5 million, well, one was R-rated, one was not. And one got double-crossed by their own studio and the other didn't. So those are two fairly big, significant things. There's a third one too, Rob, is that uh, Suicide Squad had to deal with the baggage of the other Suicide Squad. Listen, the other Suicide Squad was a movie I enjoyed, Rob. I admit, I enjoyed that movie. I had a good time with it. I know it's a hot mess of a movie. I do, but I still had fun. If you don't like that, tough. I had a good time with it. But, but, a lot of people didn't like it, Rob. A lot of people did not like that first Suicide Squad movie, despite the fact that I did. And because a hell of a lot of people didn't like that first Suicide Squad movie, they see, oh, another Suicide Squad? No, thanks. I get it. I I, I mean, I, I get it. Like, for me, it's a different reaction because I like the first Suicide Squad. But for a lot of people, they just know that they saw the first Suicide Squad and they didn't like it. So they see there's another one. So there's that. Whereas, uh, you know, Shang-Chi had like zero existing baggage. I mean, it also wasn't a well-known property. It also didn't have any stars and all that kind of stuff, but it didn't have any baggage that it had to carry over from a previous film. So, Rob, I think as completely disappointing as it is to me to look at this situation, because to me, these are two excellent films, two two very different, but very entertaining, uh, good time at the theaters kind of movies. And I think the big reason you're seeing one do like triple the business of the other, uh, and then Rob, look, I'm not saying these are the only things. I mean, obviously there's probably about a dozen other factors as well, but for me, if you're going to point to three main culprits, they got to be one was R rated where the other wasn't one got betrayed by their own studio and slapped on streaming the same day they were in theaters and the other one didn't. And the other one had to deal with the baggage of an unpopular previous film, whereas the other one pretty much had a clean slate. So, Now, there are other factors as well. I personally, Rob, think those are the three main things at play here. Rob, when you look at the big difference between Shang-Chi, which now I think as of the end of the day is well over, uh, is is over $100 million in North America now, but for its first opening weekend, 26 versus 75, what do you look at as being the main culprits behind that differential between them? Well, I mean, I, I think the obvious one that we're not talking about is one's Marvel and one's not. You know, you have you have people that are the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, when I when I say this, I hope that the people that watch this understand that we as fans, genre fans and what we love is is not necessarily always in line with what the business is telling us. 
the business of Hollywood is frequently different than what we as fans want or like. And the fact is, for the most part, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the single most popular entertainment franchise that has ever been seen in Hollywood by a wide margin. Nothing comes close. James Bond doesn't come close. Star Wars doesn't come close. Harry Potter doesn't come close. Marvel is the king. And I think that people, even Black Widow, was an afterthought. You know, it came between Civil War and what came next. This was the first new Marvel Cinematic Universe and new character since Far From Home. And it was something we hadn't seen before. And I think for those who love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, what we were delivered was top-tier Marvel. And it was something that not only did it have... I mean, what's interesting is Shang-Chi is really not just the story of an Asian superhero, but the story of an Asian-American superhero. And the reason I think it did so well at the domestic box office is because it is an American immigrant story. And it's a family story, you know, so everybody deals with their parents. And there's a lot in this film, I think, that, and I, you know, it's been some people have poo-pooed it because, well, it's not like the game of death, James Bond superhero that Shang-Chi was in the comics in the 70s. That is very true. But I think that they've turned this into a film that has wide appeal. Uh, it's a four quadrant film. It's wildly entertaining. It delivers the goods. Uh, half an hour into this movie, John, I was beaming, beaming. Now, that's not to say I wasn't having a lot of fun in Suicide Squad because I was. But right. my mom wouldn't have. <laughs> you know, and if if I was eight or nine or ten and I was a Marvel fan and my mom took me to see Shang-Chi, my mom would have been like, that was a really good movie, Bobby. I would tell my friends. My mom wouldn't have said that about Suicide Squad. And I think that 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 the Marvel magic, once again, now I I know some fans. There's going to be a lot of people that can point to things and complain. Like there is, I can't even say it. I want to spoil it. There's things in this movie that we've never seen in Marvel before. But that's why it's good. And I think you just Kevin Feige and Louis Desposito and Victoria Alonso and everyone else at Marvel, they knocked it out of the park again. And I think ultimately that's why it succeeded. Yeah, I, and again, I just think it's unfortunate because I honestly feel like Suicide Squad knocked it out of the park for what it was. I do but. too. I, I loved Suicide Squad, but you know what? I mean, that movie is full of all the great, great violence and great humor over the top. I mean, you've got a, a sex scene where they wreck a room in Suicide Squad. <laughs> Which is great, but I don't even think about I, that scene. I love that scene. I, I, yeah, but you can't <laughs> take eight-year-old little Timmy. To see, get the little mom. Well, what yeah, are you doing? that's the R rating aspect of it, right? I yeah, mean, is and that, it's, is it's that hard what R. people do when they're adults? Well, if they know what they're doing and they do it well, yes, Timmy, <laughs> if they that's do what they right. do. You wreck a room. <laughs> well, so, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, guys, question is for you. Uh, I personally think you got two great comic book movies. Uh, one really underperformed. One did exceptionally well. Why do you see there being the big differences between the two? Is it just the R rating factor? Is it the HBO factor? Is it the Marvel factor? Is it the had baggage factor? I, I, and there's probably, listen, Rob and I are just kind of basically just touching on the tip of this thing. There's probably like dozens of other smaller reasons as well. Just what do you tip. think? Just the tip. This play, just the tip. What do you guys think is the main culprits here? Jump on down to the comments section below.
and let us know your thoughts. All right. With that down, let's move into main topic number two. Rob, what is our second main topic today? Well, John, uh, I'm actually quite excited about this topic because I was able to speak with the director in question on a stream a couple months back. Uh, Adrian Marcos says, greetings and salutations, John. I read about a new movie that I can't believe hasn't happened already. Hmm. It's going to be called (laughs) Sniff. (laughs) And it's a murder mystery that takes place in a retirement home. And it stars Morgan Freeman, Al Pacino, Helen Mirren, and Danny DeVito. How perfect is this? I can't wait to watch it. What do you think? First of all, the director in question is Taylor Hackford, who is actually married to Helen Mirren. And Taylor Hackford has directed things like Officer and a Gentleman and The Devil's Advocate. And uh, I think he directed La Bamba, didn't he? And one of my favorites, Blood In, Blood Out. He's a director that I've loved, uh, a White Knights, a director that I've loved for a very long time. And I don't think he gets enough love, man. And so uh, I'm really excited for this. This comes from Variety. Helmed by Taylor Hackford, the Oscar-winning director behind Ray, the film follows Detective Joe Mulray, probably a uh, throwback or a nod to uh, the Mulrays from Chinatown, played by Morgan Freeman, and partner William Keyes. Dude, come on. Morgan Freeman and Danny DeVito. (laughs) I want to see that series of films. And partner William Keyes as they investigate a high-end luxury retirement community after the mysterious deaths of two of its residents. What starts out as a normal case quickly turns strange as the detective duo uncover a hidden underworld of sex, drugs, and murder controlled by a senior living community kingpin, Harvey Stride, played by Al Pacino, and his femme fatale enforcer, the spider, played by Helen Mirren. Bruh. <laughs> his, his femme fatale enforcer. I, I, I mean, I I read about this movie. I, I, I listen to, you know, how Taylor Hackford talked about how um, when he wanted to get Al Pacino to play the devil in Devil's Advocate, they had to go back to him a number of times. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. And they had to rewrite the part. And he explained how he also had to go back to Al to do this movie. And they had to rewrite it, make it better, beef up the parts. I got to tell you, uh, this movie, (laughs) I can't wait. This is right up my alley. I love this idea. Morgan Freeman and Danny DeVito as cops, investigators, detectives. Come on, dude. Come on. I mean, I'm like, why have we been deprived of this duo? That should have been a franchise that had been going for the last 40 years. This could have been their last hurrah. That would have been hilarious. I mean, I, I, I think this sounds great. I can't wait for it. Bring it on. What do you think? You know what it reminds me of when, when I read the synopsis for this? Do you remember that Bruce Campbell, Paul Giamatti film, Bubba Hotep? Oh, yeah. Directed by Don Coscarelli, who made Phantasm. That, so for those of you who've never seen Bubba Hotep, the basic premise of Bubba Hotep is that Elvis Presley never actually died. He had a body double, identical looking doppelganger who stood in for him uh, so he could get away from the public eye from time to time. And that was the guy that died. But meanwhile, he's still alive. And now he's really old and living in a retirement center. And an ancient mummy 
is stalking and killing members of this old community center. And only Elvis Presley played by Bruce Campbell can save the, the residents of this, uh, of this uh, retirement home from this ancient mummified evil. If you haven't seen Bubba Hotep, go, go check it out. So when I was reading about this, it gave me a little bit, uh, a little bit of uh, reminiscence of that. If you will look, this is, this also gives me a little bit of a feeling of Las Vegas that also had Morgan Freeman, Kevin Klein, uh, yeah, yeah. Robert De Niro. Uh, who was the fourth? Who was the fourth? Michael Douglas and Michael Douglas in that. Uh, I, I love that too. To get these guys together, to get this cast together, Al Pacino, Helen Mirren, Dan, first of all, Danny DeVito and Pacino or Freeman as cops. First of all, why are they not retired? How how are they out investigating these murders? Look, I know this isn't the the action smash them up kind of sounding film that we normally get very excited about, but I don't care. You tell me where this movie is opening and when, and I am effing there. I am totally there opening day. Uh, I don't care wherever it is. This sounds great to me. I just like I was already into it. And then you get to the end of that synopsis. The femme fatale enforcer played by Helen Mirren. I'm like, okay, so this retirement home has its own underground, like uh, its own dark underground. That's like run by this cartel of certain seniors over other seniors. Whatever. I think this sounds great. I'm all on board for it. Uh, The question is for you guys. What do you think about the sound of sniff? Uh, Look. Maybe it just doesn't sound like something that's up your that's up your uh, up your alley. That's totally fine too. <laughs> or maybe you're like us, and this sounds really exciting. I don't know. Whatever you guys think about it, jump on down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Uh, by the way, uh, our friends uh, Holy Day Evolution and uh, Jack Wallace both send in super chat badges in the live chat. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate you supporting our channel on that level, guys. All right, guys. With that all down and out of the way now. Let's move on and start taking your live comments and questions. Once again, if you want to fire in a live comment or question to be read on this show or in an upcoming companion video, simply use the tip link that's down in the description below, or you could enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question read on a show if it's, of course, appropriate for the show. And, of course, you'll be supporting the channel at the same time. And all of us here, thank you guys so much for your support. All right, let's get on over now to your live question, shall we? We're going to get things picked up here with Tom Weinberg, who writes. And Tom Weinberg wrote to us a little while ago, told us he was at the Venice Film Festival, and he was going to be sending in some things. So he starts off by saying, at Venice, Dune loses itself in its world building at times. But when it finds its footing as the sprawling political space epic, it is, uh, it is, it wows. Definitely deserves to be seen on a big screen. My brother loved it too. Uh, it's now 4.30, 4.30 a.m., so we're off to bed. Yeah, Rob, we've been talking a lot about Dune. Um, we've been talking a lot about Dune. And, of course, last we checked, it was sitting around the mid-80s on Rotten Tomatoes, which is, is it's a great, mid-80s is a great score. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, uh, I was kind of hoping for in the 90s, but you know, in the 80s is still great. We're hearing some great things. We're hearing some people saying, you know, you know, out of the 14% of the people who don't like it, they're saying, you know, it's a little bit convoluted. It's a little too it's a little too top heavy and it falls kind of falls under its own weight and stuff like that. But I don't know, man. The people who I'm hearing who are liking it are saying all the things that I really want to hear about it. And I'm I'm for one I'm very very still excited to see. Where's your expectation right now for Dune? 
Dude, it's off the charts. I mean, my my expectations for Dune is off the charts because, look, science fiction like this is just not everyone's cup of tea. You know, and and I think that's true of, of a lot of science fiction. And, um, I mean, I'm a huge Denis Villeneuve fan. I really loved Arrival. I really love Blade Runner. I like the spell he casts when he does this. And I think that, you know, there's just – there's a lot of heady talks and things in Dune that a lot of people – don't it's just just not their bag um you know some of the great science fiction movies of all time did not get the critical reception you might have hoped like oh i don't know 2001 a space odyssey i think this movie is going to be very transportive i can't wait to see it in the imax again it remains my most eagerly anticipated movie of the year uh the only one that comes close is no time to die and maybe top gun maverick but that went into 2022 i can't wait to see this movie i am so excited and it really bums me out. Europe gets to see this movie next week, bro. <laughs> next week. We have to wait till what? October 22nd? I believe so, yes. I mean, come on. I got to listen to all my European friends gloat. <laughs> well, I've seen Dune eight times, Rob. Uh, it's too bad you haven't seen it. You know, I'm seeing a lot of people in the live chat are saying, are they, are they going to talk about the Matrix trailer dropping tomorrow? I don't know why we would talk about a trailer that isn't even out yet. But I, I can tell you guys who are wanting to talk about the Matrix trailer. Uh, you got you know, I believe there's no reason at all to be excited for this movie. I don't believe there's any reason to be excited for Matrix. I just don't. Uh, what? The, Wachowski, the, the Wachowskis has put out some of the most unbearable shit in the last in the last bunch of years. The Matrix was a franchise that went downhill in quality after the first one, like the first one to the second one to the third one. It just got worse and worse and worse. Since that time, they put out some of the worst movies ever. Only one of the Wachowskis is back. So yeah, I, I'm sorry. I see no, I see zero reason to have any enthusiasm or excitement about this. I really do. It's like the first one is iconic and amazing and fantastic. And then it all went downhill from there. That being said, that being said, you guys know that I have seen the matrix trailer. I've seen about eight or nine minutes of footage of matrix including the trailer that will drop tomorrow. They showed us a bunch of stuff at CinemaCon a couple of weeks ago. And as somebody who has zero belief that this movie is going to be any good, the trailer is fantastic. <laughs> the trailer is utterly fantastic. As And I say that as somebody who I don't, I have no faith in this movie. I have none, no faith in it. And I am telling you that this trailer is remarkable. It's really good. And again, Rob, it's one of those things where they, they popped it up on the screen. I'm watching. I'm thinking, damn, Robert would have loved to see this. It was just, yeah, I know you were busy. You were I busy. Know. You were off in Seattle shooting some important stuff, but still, I, it's too bad you couldn't have been there. But uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll have a trailer to talk about tomorrow. I can, we can finally talk about it in a sense where all you guys have seen it. It'll be fun to talk about it then. Okay. Uh, let's move on here. Uh, a silly goose writes. Uh, on Friday, my local theater showed the extended cut of The Fellowship of the Ring. Seeing that movie on the big screen was magical. Next week, they show The Two Towers, then Return of the King. Feels unreal that I get to see these movies on the big screen. These are movies that whenever I know they are playing in a theater around me, I will go and watch them. Because as, as many times as I've watched The Lord of the Rings films at home, these are movies you will never get the full gist of them. Like 40-year-old virgin, you want to watch it in the theater the first time because you want to laugh with the audience and have that big group experience. But after that, it's cool to just watch it at home. I mean, it's a, it's yeah. a comedy. The Lord of the Rings are just so, some of those films. You 
to really get the full impact, you got to see it in the movie theater, Rob. And and these are films that you did work on as well, like surrounding the films. You were there on location as they were making uh, those things. Uh, what do you think about Silly Goose and talk like, like to me, oh. these are films you got to see on the big screen whenever you get the chance. How do you feel about it? Well, they're, they're like the ultimate cinematic experiences. I mean, everything from just the music of rolling into Hobbiton, you know, in the beginning when you first yeah. meet Gandalf and, and Frodo. I mean, the, the look of the films, the feel, they're so transported, they're so magical, and they're so engrossing. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're great. They're great cinematic experiences in the theater. And I love that people are getting to see that because, you know, Fellowship is 20 years old this year. So, like, you know, even if you were 10 years old in 2001, you might not have seen the movie in the theater. And you're 30 now. Yeah. So yeah, going back crazy. and getting getting that experience is tremendous that people are going to get to be able to do that. All right. Next up, uh, we've got Lighthouse who writes, Hey, John, uh, my coworker just told me about the movie called Pig with Nicolas Cage. I just watched the trailer. It makes me intrigued. Have you seen this trailer or even better the movie? I would love your thoughts. Yeah, I, I was a little bit late to the party, Rob, on Pig. It had come out and I, I was late on it. I finally I, I had gotten around to see. Have you seen it yet? I haven't seen it. I have it pre-ordered. I'm getting the disc. I, I had a chance to watch it and it is very good. It is a very different kind of movie. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me, it's got little hints of, if you've seen the movie, you'll know what I'm saying, because it's going to sound like it's polar opposites. But you know mm. that John Favreau movie, uh, Chef, reopens? Yeah. There, there, are, there are story elements in Pig that remind me a bit about Chef. It, tonally, they're very, they're, tonally, they're very different films. They're very, very, very different films tonally. But there are narrative threads that are really reminding me a lot of of that in many ways, but it's a heavy film. Mm. I didn't like it as much as most people who saw it liked it. I liked it though. Like I'm in the thumbs up camp on pig. I am. I enjoyed it. I thought Nicholas Cage was fantastic in it, but I, I didn't, I didn't think it was the instant Oscar contender that some people kind of felt that it was, but Hey, uh, there are a lot of people who feel it is that good. So if you get yeah. a chance to watch it, you may, you may just as well feel, feel that way as for me, for me, it's at least a thought. I, I enjoyed it. It's good. And I think you're going to like it too. When you get a chance to check it out. All right. Next up, uh, we've got uh, never give up, never surrender. A little right, galaxy, galaxy quest, quest there. Uh, hey, John, I read that Dune passed Chinese censorship and will be released there soon. But why is there no date yet? Like Free Guy had one week to prepare the China marketing campaign because the date was announced last minute. Why do they do that? Oh, dude, who the fuck knows why China does what it does? I mean, I, I don't I don't say that in a disparaging way, but I'm just being we have no idea. I have no clue how or, or what rhyme or reason. Listen, you got to remember, it's not just about passing censorship. Like China only allows so many films a year to play in China. Yeah. And foreign films, right? Yeah. So many foreign films to play in China. Like they, every year they have a different uh, cap on how many they allow to play in there every year. So what their criteria is, I have no idea what their rhyme or reason for saying when they can have releases. I honestly, have, I know very, very, very little about the Chinese market, other than the fact that it's the second biggest movie market in the world. Um, other than that, I really don't know much about Rob. Do you have any kind of insight on that? Well, I mean, I think they want it. It's all about control with China. You know, if they if they were to give Hollywood a free reign to just, hey, start release movies, you can play movie trailers six months in advance. They don't want to do that. They want to control. They're a totalitarian communist regime. 
So they want to, especially over foreign influence over their population, they want to have as much control as possible. So, all right. Next up, we got Diego who writes, Hey, John and crew, if they are there and Rob is here, Tony Leung was truly captivating in Shang-Chi. I loved Wen Wu. I know that you have spoken highly of him before, and I would like to check him out in other movies. I was curious if you had any recommendations. Thanks. There are two recommendations that I would personally give Rob. And I got to bring up the one because I'm, I'm freezing on the title of it. The one he did with Ang Lee. Um, and it's funny because I was just talking about this movie with somebody the other day. Uh, but it's a movie it's with called L- Lust Caution. Lust Caution. That's it. Thank you. Uh, good, filthy movie, by the way, if you're. Uh, if oh, yeah, you're, it brings the filthy. It bring, this is a movie that brings the filthy. So the, the, the two, I would say, are Lust Caution that he does with Ang Lee. Terrific director. Uh, Tony Leung is fantastic in it and yeah, it's got a good amount of filthy in it. So I enjoy that. But, uh, and then the other one, of course, you've heard me talk about before is my number one all time favorite cop film called Infernal Affairs. It is the movie that, uh, Marty Scorsese remade and titled it the departed that won Marty Scorsese, his first Academy award and won best picture at the Oscars, but it's based on infernal affairs. It is. It's practically a shot for shot remake, Rob, except it's, you know, one, happens in America, but it's infernal affairs is absolutely fantastic. And that's where I really, for me personally, that's where I discovered Tony Leung, but those ones I would recommend Rob, if you had a, if somebody were to ask you, you know, what other Tony Leung things should I watch to, you know, kind of get primed for watching Shang-Chi, what would you say? Oh, well, he's teamed up with one of my favorite directors, Wong Kar Wai a lot. Yeah. Uh, If you watch his character in, in, uh, in the mood for love in 2049, Oh, in the mood for love, man. That guy is the coolest dude ever. One of the most romantic, m- most yearning romantic films ever made. You got to watch his John Woo stuff when he's in uh, Hard Boiled and Red Cliff One and Two. Um, uh, there's so many like another Ang Lee film. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, well, did you Ang Lee not do Red Cliff? No, Red Cliff is um, it's John Woo. John. Oh, Poole, that's John. Woo. I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. you're right. You're absolutely right. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's you know. All of his movies that he did with uh, Wong Kar Wai, whether it's Happy Together, Ashes of Time, I, I mean, that's Ashes of Time is, it's just, he's, he's, it, the guy's an incredible actor. Like I've told, I've told people before, if I could be Chinese, I would want to be Tony Lung. Uh, he's just the coolest. And for good reason. All right. Next up, uh, we've got uh, Ethan Holgate. And Ethan Holgate writes, John, after seeing Shang-Chi, I completely see why you can't get enough of this movie. I freaking loved it. I thought it was absolutely incredible. The storytelling, the characters, the fantasy, the depth, the music. Uh, this was a true Chinese fantasy epic. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. You know, somebody asked me the other day, Rob, because I one of the things I love about this movie is the music, both the, the soundtrack, the songs, and the score. I love both of them. And somebody was asking me yesterday, which do you think had the best soundtrack? Uh, Shang-Chi or Black Panther. And Ooh, I said, I said, I said, I love the soundtrack in Shang-Chi. Absolutely. But not only would I say that I think Black Panther has the be- better soundtrack. I think Black Panther also has the best score. I'll even go beyond that. I think Black Panther has the best score out of any MCU movie ever. Like, and I did it not win the Academy Award for best score, or at least it was nominated. I, I know it was yeah. nominated for best score. But I think it's the best score they've ever had. So I, I think the music overall, and I think Shang-Chi is the better movie, 
but I think all aspects of the music in Black Panther were better than the music in, in Shang-Chi. And Rob, by the way, this Sunday, I'm going back to the Hollywood Bowl again for Black Panther in concert. Where, really? Yeah. So for those of you who may not know, like I put up a video of this a while ago, but Ann and I went to go see the Princess Bride in concert where they play the movie on these giant screens without the music in it. And then the Los Angeles Philharmonic plays the music live on stage to go along with the movie. And they're doing that for Black Panther this weekend. So uh, Ann and I are going to head out cool. to the hall. Oh, I'm so excited about it. It's Anna, an I'm, incredible score. I mean, all the uh, the ethnic instruments they use in the creation of that score. I mean, the, the composer went to Africa and did a lot of research before actually creating the score. It's an astonishing film score. It's, it's really, the same really guy good. who did the score for The Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and just Anna and I love this. We just both love Black Panther, the movie. So we're going to get to see the, the movie and hear the, the orchestra play. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. All right. Uh, next up, we've got Tom Weinberg also writes in from Venice lost daughter, strong debut for Jelen Hall with great performances. Coleman is Coleman. Of course, Dakota. I heard Coleman is probably going to get an Oscar nomination for this. As a matter of fact, uh, mm. Dakota and Buckley in particular shine too, but where I latched onto something authentic, my brother found it. Uh, my brother found it a total dud. So maybe not for everyone. This isn't one that's been really high in a row. I remember we talked about this a couple of months ago. We talked about the film a few months ago, not really one that's done strong on the radar. Let's see if, that's playing at Venice gets it a little bit more on the radar, Tom. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on that, dude. An anonymous viewer writes, you know, John, watching the Dear Evan Hansen trailer reminds me of a movie that came out in 1994. Do you remember the film Clifford? Not Clifford the Big Red Dog, but Clifford uh, was yeah. a movie that starred a 40-year-old Martin Short playing a 10-year-old. I don't remember this one. Do you, Rob? I do remember it. Let me see if I can and, look it up. Yeah, no, I remember that. And uh, it's... Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It, I, I'd have to see Evan Hansen first, but. Oh, and it's got Charles Grodin in it, too. Yeah. Yep. With Dabney Coleman? What? I know. I have no recollection. Let me see if I can bring this up on the screen for you guys. I have absolutely no recollection of this movie uh, at all. I have none. Zero recollection of this. But look at Martin Short. Let me see if I can get this picture yeah. any bigger. Look <laughs> Okay, nope. I have, but, but, but yes, Aaron would love hearing you say comparing Martin Short in this movie as a ten-year-old, uh, comparing him to uh, to whatever the guy's name who's starring in Dear Evan Hansen. I'm sure she would love getting a kick out of that. Thank you for putting that on my radar, though, man. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Rich Fairhurst writes. Shang-Chi has made uh, $29.6 million from Thursday and Friday. It's actually made $75.5 in its first three days, and it made $95 million in its long weekend debut. Uh, it is easily going to get more uh, than $15 million for Saturday and Sunday. To break your estimate of $45 million, I think it will get to 60, uh, 60 to $65 million. What do you think now? Well, obviously now we know it made $75.5 million on its opening weekend. Uh, we talked about on the show the other day why it, why it exceeded those expectations that everybody had, including mine. And then went on to make over $95 million on its uh, four day. It's uh, listen, it's going to pass black widow. I, I have no doubt about that. It's going to pass black widow. And by the way, uh, uh, lips throg sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, man. Appreciate that dude. All right. Next up. We got Bryce Gilman who writes, 
Hey, John and friends. First, I want to say love your show. Thank you so much. Uh, I've been watching for a couple of months now, and as a young filmmaker, you really teach me a lot about the industry. Second, I saw Shang-Chi and I loved it. I thought it might hit 75 to 85 million. That's amazing. Bring on the filthy. And yep, sure enough, it did. It hit that $75 million mark, which we were all off. But Rob, kudos to you because you were closer than I was. Uh, you you got closer than, than I was. You were just being conservative. Well, I mean, I was being conservative, but look, if it wasn't a Marvel movie, I honestly would have guessed it around the Suicide Squad numbers if it right. hadn't been for a Marvel movie. But And I knew people would like it, but I didn't think there would be as many people who liked it as much as me. I didn't think people would be spreading <laughs> the word of mouth as fervently as they have. And uh, I'm thrilled. I'm I'm thrilled, but uh, you got closer to it than I did, so I just want to make sure you get uh, you get credit, man. You get credit. All it's right, it's just a great movie, and we so all fun. win. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. All right, next up, uh, let's see. Jack Lumbers writes. Uh, saw the new James McAvoy new film together. I have not watched that yet. It was good. It has a Malcolm and Marie Eminem set up like two people in a in a single set just talking. I did like more. I did like it more than Eminem just because I like the characters more and can relate to the lockdown situation more. I am really fascinated to see because Rob, we've been getting. Okay, we should be back. We should be back now. Sorry, guys, had a little bit of a hiccup there, but we are apparently back now. Um, so. Uh, yeah, anyway, we were talking about James McAvoy, and uh, it just feels like we haven't gotten a lot of James McAvoy lately. So I haven't had a chance to watch this yet. Rob, have you had a chance to watch this one yet? No, but it sounds it sounds good. I mean, he's been busy. He's got that new movie coming out, the the mystery thriller where his kid is kidnapped, and they they didn't tell him what the end of the movie was. Like he he when he filmed it. He was finding out. Oh about yeah, the where plot he was, and he, he ad libbed a lot of the. He was saying he ad libbed like a whole ton of the movie himself. Yeah, right? I want to see that. It looks good. All right, that sounds interesting. All right, uh, thanks a lot for that, Jack. Next up, we've got. If I can bring up the actual questions, there they are. Uh, we've got uh, Q Fox writes. I saw Shang Chi in theaters, and at the second post credit scene where the. Uh, sorry, we're going to skip over that one. Uh, Christopher Rosado writes, so John, general audience members are usually turned off by two things, uh, black and white films and films with subtitles. So I was super impressed when I saw Shang-Chi in the opening five minutes or so. It was all in Chinese. Were you surprised by this? I was a little bit surprised by it, but very pleasantly surprised by it. Um, because, you know, normally in, in English, in North American movies, anytime there's a foreign language, they just have everybody speak English with an accent. But in this, where people would be speaking Chinese, they had them speaking Chinese and they just use subtitles. And, and, they, and it wasn't used a ton, but they used it the right amount. And I thought that was a really good thing they did, Christopher, to be honest with you. Uh, okay, next up. Uh, anonymous viewer writes world's greatest detective john we're in lockdown in australia uh so no theaters the suicide squad dropped on google play on friday the third was umming and ahhing about whether it was worth the 34 dollars australian thought i'd support it as uh, as it suffered financially well that's very good of you but also hey good on you i mean listen this yeah. is a movie that needs all the help it can get but also it's a really good entertaining film 
It so is. If, and so if you can watch and give it that help, man, that's good on you. And I'm really happy that it's, you know, I know our friends in Australia and New Zealand and things like that are still in really heavy lockdown. And there are other countries as well that don't have movie theaters open, so they can't get out to see these movies we're talking about. So uh, hang in there, guys. Hang in there. Uh, by the way, our friend Steven Schneiderman sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Steven. A previous that, dude. All right. Uh, next up, we got uh, anonymous viewer who writes world's greatest detective John brother. It wasn't worth $34. It was worth way more. It's the best DCU film in my opinion, because for me, it transcends the DCU. And it made me think of uh Stalag 17, the great escape aliens, King Kong, 1933. Love the movie. Love your show. Well, thank you so much for that, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Listen, Rob, I mean, I, I can't remember. We did talk about it, but I can't remember where you came down on this. Like for me, obviously the best DCEU movie to me is Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. That's, that to me is the best DCEU movie they've made. But I think Suicide Squad has become my second favorite. I really do. I don't know. Does, you know, does Suicide Squad for you rank in the top three or top five at all for the DCU movies for you? Yeah, I mean, it probably does. I, 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 Dude, you had me at Starro. I mean, yeah. <laughs> as somebody as somebody who grew up with Starro, never in my wildest dreams did I ever think somebody would portray Starro. And by the way, portray Starro really well. Like the way that his little, his or its little face, face huggers came out of him, the way yeah. it was really well done. I mean, I and I just, it's really, enter- it was just a really entertaining movie. My whole thing about it is, I don't think of it necessarily as a DC universe movie. I think it's a DC movie, obviously, but I don't know how much world building it did. I think it's kind of unto itself in a way. I mean, there there is going to be a Peacemaker show and maybe Bane will be in it. I don't know. But but uh, to me, it's kind of its own thing. Whereas I got to tell you, I think my favorite, I you know, I love Man of Steel, but I think my favorite DC universe movie is Aquaman. I know you love that film uh, just because of I couldn't believe what I was watching. And by the way, that new Aquaman costume looks badass. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it looked really good as well. Uh, by the way, our friend Nightspeed sends in a super chat badge in live chat, as does Os- Osvaldo Hernandez. They both send in super chat badges in live chat. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. All right. We keep going now here with uh, Sean Nicholson. Uh, who writes in one or two. Hey, John, you were absolutely right. Shang-Chi was the most fun I've had at the movies in a long time. I love the family dynamic being central to the story and the incredible fight choreography was the best in the MCU so far, including Winter Soldier. Uh, My only real nitpick is that they hid most of the film in the trailers. Do you think that because of the decent but not mind-blowing trailers that this film uh, will have much longer box office run with smaller drops each week Thanks and bring on the filthy. Well, you guys know that I I said like for a while, like part of the reason I was so surprised by Shang-Chi is because other than when they gave us that quick glimpse of Wong and Abomination that got me totally excited, um, the, the trailers were okay. I mean, the trailers were decent. They weren't great. These were not great trailers. They, this These trailers did not do the film justice. They didn't sell the movie, you know? And I don't think it's about giving away things. I just think you can still, without giving away things, you can still put together a really good package, a really good uh, pitch to the audience for a movie. And it didn't do great on that. The legs, I believe, on this movie are going to be very, very good. I do too. Because the momentum, Rob, as the long weekend progressed, the momentum just got stronger. Yep. 
And theaters were seeing, like people saw it on Thursday night and then all of a sudden ticket sales for the Friday spiked. And then people saw it on Friday, all of a sudden ticket sales for the Saturday spiked. And then there wasn't a lot of ticket sales for the Monday, but all of a sudden Monday made like, the movie made like almost $20 million on Monday alone. And that's word of mouth. And I think that word of mouth plus repeat viewings, I think, now I don't know for sure anything can happen, but because Marvel movies tend to be movies that most people who want to see them will see them in their first weekend. So that'll hurt the second weekend a little bit, but still I believe not the 70% drop that Suicide Squad took, not the 60% drop that Black Widow took. I think you're going to see something in the neighborhood of 50%, which is like really good. That's a really yeah. good positive second weekend drop. So I think this movie's going to have legs. What about you? I, I do too. I've been saying that from the beginning just because of how entertaining it is. You know, and that's the thing. People, people are really having a good time. It's exactly what big budget studio filmmaking should deliver. And it does. It yeah. delivers a great experience with great characters and a lot of fun. So, yeah, I think positive word of mouth and, uh, and of course, uh, second and third and fourth and repeat viewings, I think that's going to have really good legs. How good? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. All right. Thanks for that, Sean. Next up, Sam Fisher writes, every t- single time I see an article about Charlie Cox being in Daredevil, being Daredevil in No Way Home, I post something like Cox DD is not in No Way Home. Feige wants nothing to do with the Netflix shows. People laugh and say I'm wrong, but they'll see. They'll all see. <laughs> I mean, look, anything is possible. I remember Rob in the No Way Home trailer came out when all you saw was a hand on a table in front of Peter. I said, that's Charlie Cox. That's Charlie Cox. That's that's him as Daredevil. And then, of course, that got debunked because then another clip came out showing the wider shot, and it's clearly not Charlie Cox. Yeah, there are a lot of people still think Charlie Cox is going to be in this, and they think he's going to be Matt Murdock in it, and I don't. Like, I do believe Andrew and, you know, uh, Toby will be in it, but I don't believe that Charlie Cox would be in it. But it's not impossible. That's the thing with Kevin Feige, man. It ain't impossible. Nothing's ever impossible. It would be a total about face for him as far as his, what his philosophy has been about the non-Feige Marvel stuff that's been out there, a la Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Netflix stuff. I mean, he's always had a pretty hard line about it, but it ain't impossible, but I doubt it. Where do you think the chances are that we see Charlie Cox as specifically because, by the way, we could see Charlie Cox in it and not play Matt Murdock, just like we saw what's his name uh, in in why am I freezing on his name? Uh, who played Wanda's brother? J.K. Simmons. No, oh, who played oh, Wanda's oh, brother? Uh, um, uh, Aaron, um, no, no, not Aaron uh, Taylor Johnson. That's the other Quicksilver. No, no, no. Why that's Aaron Taylor? You know, uh, why am I trying uh, to blank? Evan know. Peters. Evan Peters. Evan Peters. By the way, Dragon Ten was the first one to write in Evan Peters in the live chat. There, thank you, Evan and Marcus and Mark Newman and everybody else. Um, you know. He brought in Evan Peters, but not as Quicksilver. So we could see Charlie Cox as another character. But Rob, specifically, what do you think the chances are we see Charlie Cox as Daredevil? Matt Murdock. Matt Murdock, Daredevil, yep. I think we're going to see him as Matt Murdock. No, really? You, you actually think not, that's what man? we're going to see? I'm going to go all in on it. Bring in everybody. It's the multiverse. All right. If Evan Peters can be in WandaVision, Charlie Cox can be in No Way Home. All right. Or, yeah, yeah, but Evan Peters was not Quicksilver in WandaVision. I, 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 so I believe Charlie Cox can be in No Way Home. I just don't think he's going to be Matt Murdock in No Way Home. But uh, you think they will? Okay, okay. Let's see. I, I think I think you're dead wrong, but I ain't going to pretend it ain't possible. 
It's right. possible. Let's see. All right. Uh, next up, we got Sam Fisher also writes, I hope you know that I sacrificed for you, JC, because I sent in so many super chats to the Shang-Chi spoiler discussion that my bank sent me a fraud alert. Just kidding about the sacrifice. Happy to do it. Uh, I love your content. It really gets me through the day. No, it's great because whenever we do open spoiler discussions, Sam doesn't mess around. Because what Sam, I, I, I'm totally convinced, whenever we do the open spoiler discussions for, for the movies, I feel like Sam like plans it. He knows every topic he wants to touch on and he scripts it all out. And then when we launch the event for the spoiler discussion, he doesn't wait around to pop one in here and there. He just, he has them all planned out. He knows exactly what he wants to ask. He knows exactly which topics he wants touched on and he just lays them all out in there right away. So we're doing the, um, we're doing the uh, uh, Shang-Chi open spoiler discussion and like nine or 10 questions in a row was from Sam because he had them all ready. He had them all ready to go and way to go. I, I admire that kind of organization, organization, Sam. I really do. Uh, and by the way, Anton Riley sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Anton. I appreciate that, man, very much. All right, let's keep going here. Dangerous D writes, Hey, John, a fan asks you a question, uh, asked you a question, where did we get the term blockbuster? Uh, that's right. I remember somebody asked that the other day. It was used in World War II, uh, World War II for a huge explosive bomb. It came to the American lexicon to describe uh, for explosive or shocking you. Also wanted to know the term 100K. Greek Greeks use K or kilos for 1,000. Yeah, I remember that. Somebody wrote that into me. I'm like, oh, of course, that's where the K for, came, came from. I actually did know that. I totally forgot. But yeah, somebody asked on the show the other day, Rob, you know, where's where'd the term blockbuster come from? So uh, that makes total sense, Dangerous. Do you have, have, have you, would you say it's anything different? Because that makes sense to me. No, it is. It is. And I think uh, from what I remember, I think it was like Time Magazine published the word. Something reminded me, uh, I, but I don't remember. I don't, I'd have to look it up. I'm sure a cursory glance at the internet could tell you. All right. And our friend, what pisses me off, sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. All right. Next up, uh, we've got an anonymous viewer writes. I love how they treated Wen Wu. Uh, they could have easily made him a typical evil villain, but they didn't. Uh, but they didn't. They gave him real motivation. The first thing that my girlfriend said after the movie was there wasn't a villain. And I love that. Yeah, it wasn't. Rob, you could really say it that way, that this Shang-Chi doesn't really have a villain. Well, I mean, the dweller in dar darkness, but I don't want to give anything away. Sorry, I realize we can't say too much. But the way they handled Wen Wu without giving away any spoilers was beautiful it was beautifully done it's it's a movie that's like killmonger in a way like killmonger you can be horrified by the things some of the things he's doing but at the same time you feel empathy for the character uh when you understand yeah. some of the background of what went on and and that was something that they did really really well with them um next up crimson bubbles writes one of two, assuming that the first Robert Pattinson's Batman does well, would you be against the idea that for the next movie, if they cast Kristen Stewart, yes, I would be against that. As the like Talia Al Ghul, Poison Ivy, Dollmaker, etc. Uh, Kristen is a great actress who would deliver a great performance to whatever version of those characters that the movie calls for. Plus, it may bring in a different audience that may not check out a Batman film. Do you think this would be a good idea? No, I'll be honest with you. I think it would be a terrible idea. Um, now, first of all, you are right. Kristen Stewart is a dynamite actress. As a matter of fact, the first kind of uh, responses are coming in from that new movie where she's playing Princess Diana. And they're saying she's going to get an Oscar nomination for this. 
they're saying she's remarkable in it. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Like, I know she's a great actress. And so, and she may very well get an Oscar nomination this year. But the reality is this. If you cast Kristen Stewart in this, it is going to completely hijack the narrative. It's going to completely hijack the narrative. It's going to be all Twilight. Like, if you think it was bad, like, what, you cast Twilight Boy as Batman? You thought that was bad? Dude, if they suddenly put Kristen Stewart in there to play opposite him, it would just become a circus. It would just become an absolute circus, and that would totally hijack the narrative of everything. It's it's all going to be about Twilight and the Twilight reunion, Twilight, 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 and that is not what Robert Pattinson wants for this movie. That's not what Warner Brothers wants for this movie, and frankly, I don't think it's what Kristen Stewart wants for this movie either, or, or for herself. I think both, look, they both had tremendous success and got their fame and got a lot of money for being in Twilight. But they have both spent the last 10 years trying to get away from that now and establish themselves for their own talent and their own careers and things like that. And it's taken both of them a long time to get to a place of real legitimate respectability to the point that Robert Pattinson is sought after now by all the directors. It looks like Stewart may get an Academy Award nomination this year. The last thing I think either of them want is to go into a Batman movie and have it become a Twilight Circus. And I know I don't want that either, even though I think they're both tremendous performers. But Rob, Crimson Bubbles brings up an interesting question. I mean, you you put a pairing like that on. It certainly could attract a certain audience, that, that Twilight audience that maybe wouldn't normally be into a Batman movie. I don't know. Do you think the pros could outweigh the cons here? Yeah, I, you know what? I'm with you. It would just overshadow everything. I mean, you, who you, there, there was the past romantic entanglements. Then there's the films themselves. I just think it would be too. look. She's getting incredible notices as lady Diana Spencer in the new movie Spencer. And I think that, I, it just would overshadow it. I I don't think it would be a good idea. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I want to see both of them continue to to do well and do some great work and uh, and move forward on things. But yeah, not uh, not a great idea. All right. Next up, uh, Jack Lumbers writes with Lucifer releasing its final season this Friday. Uh, what are some of your favorite moments of the past seasons? Well, I mean that Jack. That's not something I can answer in a quick thing here. That's that's a forty five minute discussion. But I will say again. My all-time, like, the moment, Rob, in Lucifer, that, number one, I could not believe they allowed on broadcast television, and that I nearly passed out I was laughing so hard. For those of you who watched Lucifer, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's this episode where they have to go and investigate a murder at, like, a yoga studio, right? And they're look, they're there, and they're looking at the body and the blood that's around, and the girl who played Angel's younger sister in Dexter. Um, she's in Lucifer as well. She plays like their CSI person. She's totally beautiful. She looks like she's 21, but she's actually like 43. It's insane. Uh, she's gorgeous anyway. And she's trying to reenact for them what happened, like how you analyzing the blood splatter, what happened, right? And she's like, okay, so... The person was doing this yoga pose and she gets down on her knees in front of Tom Ellis, Lucifer, who's standing there like this and she's down on her knees in front of him. And she's like, okay, so she's facing him. The murderer is facing the victim. She's down on her knees right in front of him at crotch level. She goes, so she picks up the knife and she does this. And 
she's she's stabbing him and she's stabbing them. And Tom Ellis is standing there like this as the camera pans around. And then she goes in for a closer look and stabbing him and close. And I'm like, how are they putting this on broadcast television? Like I couldn't get, but uh, oh yeah. And thank you guys. Live chat. The actress's name is Amy Garcia. Look up. It's like, she's stunningly beautiful, but I, I was like, Anne and I were watching that and we both had tears in our eyes and I'm like, how, how are they letting this be on Fox? How is this being allowed on Fox? But the way both of them played that Amy Garcia and Tom Ellis played that scene, like with a total straight face, I have no idea, but it is absolutely the funniest moment. Um, I have, I, I ever saw on the show. I mean, and it's, it's a show that for me is filled with great moments and everything. Obviously Aaron Cummings being in the show is a great moment as well for, uh, for those of us. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was, uh, that was great. I'm very, very much looking forward to uh, this next season, uh, starting to air. Okay. Uh, we only got time for a couple more here, guys. Jack Lumbers writes, for the sake of reminiscing, uh, who do you consider as your favorite main character on Lucifer and why? Uh, if it's Lucifer, who else? Well, yeah, obviously my favorite character is Lucifer. Tom Ellis playing Lucifer is my favorite character on television. I'm not saying Lucifer is my number one favorite show on television. I love it. But Tom Ellis playing Lucifer Morningstar is my, my number one favorite character on TV. I, I just love him. Aside from that, it has to be Mazikeen hmm. uh, or Maze. She is remarkable. She's absolutely remarkable. And I'm forgetting, guys in the live chat, what's the name of the actress? Who's who's the actress that plays uh, Mazikeen? I'll wait for you to throw in there. DB saying they like Linda, the psychiatrist. I love her as well. She's great to And Dan or Detective Douche. Uh, the third turd writes, first one to write in, Leslie Ann Bennett. And I should remember that name. Now, Leslie Ann Bennett, Rob, who plays Mazikeen, she just also happens to be best friends with Aaron Cummings. Her, Leslie Ann and Aaron Cummings are best friends. And they worked together uh, on Spartacus. They were both on Spartacus together. And then they've been friends ever since. And then, of course, you know, uh, Aaron got her spot on, um, on Lucifer as well. But Leslie Ann Bennett has been... And it, it, it's tough because I also love... Um, like his brother. I love Lucifer's brother in it, Amedadil. He's amazing. But yeah, Mazikeen, man. I, I just love every second that Mazikeen's on screen. I love every second. Do you got a favorite character other than maybe Lucifer himself on that show? Um, not really, because I, I mean, I, I, that Lucifer character is loosely based on the Lucifer that we saw in the Sandman comics. And I, he's, I love that guy. He's great. I love that guy. Um, Let's see. Last question of the day, guys. And then we've got to uh, cut this one a little bit short today. Peter Vincent Q writes, Hey, Team Campia. With the high praises Shang-Chi is getting from both critics and audiences, do you think Shang-Chi is actually more Oscar-worthy than Eternals? Uh, Eternals may end up uh, nothing, may end up nothing but all hype, but Shang-Chi has proven it's the real deal. Um... I don't know. Like, look, first of all, let's be clear here. We haven't seen Eternals. We, so we have no idea. We can't compare right. a movie that we've seen to a movie that we have not seen. Is Shang-Chi an Oscar kind of film? Generally, no. But I'll say this. And I mentioned this, I think, on a companion video the other day. Without any hyperbole, if the Oscar nominations were due to come out tomorrow, 
Not for all the films still to come for the rest of the year, but tomorrow. I absolutely believe there's an argument to be made that Tony Leung should be nominated for Best Supporting Actor in a movie because it's he liter- he gives an Oscar-level performance. I honestly think his performance in this movie is absolutely phenomenal. And um, so would it be a Best Picture kind of film? I, I don't know about that. Would it be a Best Director kind of film? I doubt it. But... Uh, Tony Young is the best supporting actor. I could see that getting a nomination. I don't know, Rob, what do you think about like Oscar chances for something like Shang-Chi? Well, I would say that's a good bet. Uh, there's uh, maybe some technical awards. Yeah. But yeah. Not, yeah. Like, yeah. Best picture, you know? Yeah. Technical but awards. Tony I could Lung, see. Yeah. I could um, see him. I, you know? Yeah. All right. By the way, Steven uh, Schneiderman sends in another super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Steven. I appreciate that. Okay, guys. With that down, we're going to wrap it up here today for this installment of the John Campia Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Listen, guys, there are still more questions to come. So we, uh, and by uh, Hulagoo sends in a, a last second super chat badge in there as well. Thank you, Hulagoo. Uh, we will get a companion video done. I was going to do one last night, but it ended up taking me a few hours to do the part two of the Shang-Chi uh, open spoiler discussion. So that took up like all of my evening last night. So I didn't get a chance to do a companion video for our regular questions, but we will get a regular companion video uh, done here today. Guys, thanks you so much for being here. And also, I want to thank, of course, again, producer of Agent Cody Banks, director on this Star Trek day of the William Shatner film Free Enterprise. And of course, he's got a new movie in theaters right now called Tango Shalom, the one and the only Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, where can people follow you and your goodness online? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett. Find me on Twitter at Burnett RM or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work and my show, Observations. And of course, guys, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter and all the various uh, social medias simply at John Campia. Guys, remember to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves and take care of the people around you. We'll, of course, be back again tomorrow and probably going to be talking about that Matrix trailer that's dropping tomorrow. So make sure you keep your eyes open for that. But for now, guys, That'll do it for me. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.